rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. The time is now 8.06 a.m. It is July 16th, 2020, and it is a nice Thursday morning. It's kind of, it's like humid out there and everything. Uh, it's a little bit chilly in the studio sometimes, so I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt, but for the rest of you, please put on your shorts today. It's going to be hot. It may rain as well, so it's going to be a humid day if that happens. Uh, today is Thursday. We've got great updates for you guys. we got a great show, and we are joined in the studio today by a friend of the show, our guest, the state representative for the 83rd District, Barbara Hernandez. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Hey. <laughs> All right. All claps will be live until we get the clap button. Um, <laughs> now, we've got some good updates for you guys, and we're going to speak to uh, Rep. Hernandez and learn about what a state rep does, herself and her background, and then also... Um, applicable information that we can use uh, going forward for all of us as residents. Don't forget today, Marie Wilkinson's Food Pantry, in conjunction with Toyota, is having the Hunger Doesn't Wait or Take Breaks, Be Kind, Help Change Hunger's Pace, drive-by drop-off for food donations. And that's going to be in the main parking lot of the Aurora Public Library, the downtown Santori branch, which is at 101 South River Street. Uh, that's going to be from 10 a.m., till 2 p.m. today and you need to bring non-perishable items that don't have to be heated up or recooked so things like peanut butter uh, ravioli canned meats canned vegetables fruit salads uh, things like that so please if you can donate and come out to that that's going to be very important this Friday at McCarty Mills we have Michael Rawls shout out to Michael Rawls he's going live at the tap room and the Bottle House. And if you haven't been to McCarty Mills, it's really good. Uh, on Sundays, they got breakfast pizza. Have you been there? I haven't. It's really good. Yeah, I need to stop by. Yeah, they got breakfast pizza and mimosas, which are great. Oh, great. So Sunday morning, yeah. This is a Sunday morning kind of thing, so <laughs> we're not telling you to, to drink at 8 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday. <laughs> um, now, also on the weekend at the venue, live on their Facebook and their YouTube page, we have Larry McRae who is going to be playing at the venue. The venue has had a lot of great shows during the summer, so please check them out and continue to follow up with what they're doing as well. Uh, and also, sorry for my notifications, y'all, but you guys like the live, and that's that's cool. I mean, I, I, I like that. Uh, also, our friends at Bezo Arts, they have the Beyond the Walls art exhibition of Graffiti, Street Art, and Beyond. That's Gallery 1904 at 1 East Benton, Aurora. Also on the 28th, at that same location, there is a blood drive hosted by the state representative for the 84th District, Stephanie Kiffelwitz. So please, if you can, come out and donate blood to that. That is very important. Uh, as well as ending hunger, making sure there's an adequate uh, blood supply if you can donate is very important. So please take part in that if you can. All right, so without further ado, we're going to speak to Representative Hernandez again to our interview. Uh, for the listeners who are not familiar with you, can you please state who you are and what you do? Of course. Hi, everybody. My name is Barbara Hernandez. I'm the 83rd District State Representative here in Illinois and Aurora. I cover areas uh, mostly Aurora, North Aurora, and a little bit of Montgomery. Um, I was appointed just a year ago to um, fill in the seat that a former state representative Linda Chapalavia left. Um, I've been enjoying my 
uh, my new position, trying to help as many people as possible, especially during these times. Um, usually what a state representative does is make laws where we have to go down to Springfield from May, um, January all the way till May. And usually I travel at least once a week um, to Springfield for three or four days, depending on how long um, they might need us for mm -hmm. in order to get a few bills done. And then when I'm here in Aurora, uh, usually I go to events, I go to meetings, I try to meet a lot of constituents. I, of course, COVID changed that a little bit right. this year, but I'm still trying to do as much as I can, socially distance, um, go to meetings, go to rallies, um, host other events on on Facebook, I'm trying to also have something a little bit more public uh, for at least 10 people. And then, of course, I'll have the media component to it, virtually um, right. have the meeting uh, for Social uh, Justice Committee that's going to be for in a couple of days okay. from now. Okay, cool. Um, now, you're born and raised in Aurora. Yes, okay. I am. Born right. and raised in Aurora uh, in the east side. Aha, I went a lot to of east siders on this yes. show. <laughs> Um, I love it. Tomcat. Uh, I'll always be a Tomcat. Yep. I went to Dietrich Elementary School, Waldo Middle School, Kay. and East Aurora High School, and I stayed local for college as well. I went to uh, Wabansi Community College for the first two years uh, okay. because I wanted to, you know, rate, uh, save some money. Um, my family um, is no, well, is still low income. Um, right. It, they're in the middle class area, but it's really working, early. Kind of yeah, working, working class. class yeah. Really. Um, and it was hard to get to that point, actually, because my, my dad and my mom were undocumented mm -hmm. for 21 years. Wow. So as soon as um, my parents arrived here on Memorial Day, not knowing that it was Memorial Day. Right. So it was a big shock for them because uh, there was no taxis, no people out in the streets. There, and right. they were kind of wondering, what, why is anyone... Um, not here it's it, it should be packed yeah and they asked a taxi driver um with the language barrier that they have and the taxi driver was like well it's memorial day it's a holiday here we we try not to go yeah. out we're with spending Nobody's time with family yeah and that's when so now every memorial day of course we remember the ones that we lost um uh, and remember remember everything that is going on in the community and uh, with the veterans but at the same time we added a little bit more of a celebration of being here oh, yeah. um, in the this country and the opportunities that has given my family. That brings me to my next question, which is um, growing up, what impact did your dad have on your life? It's honestly, it's a big impact. Mm -hmm. My dad is the one that um, taught me discipline, uh, taught me the streets. Yeah. <laughs> he would yeah. always, ever since I was little, he was trying to find ways to educate me. Uh, without me knowing I, w I was being educated. Um, and simple kind things. of subtle hints. Yes. Um, and it's honestly, it's really helpful because now I see it, uh, see it with my peers, with my friends, that um, something that my dad always taught me when we were in the car, he would be like, what street is this? And I would have to answer and I would have to pay attention. Right. So that's how I knew my streets. Unfortunately, some students, some um, individuals don't know their streets yet. Oh, yeah. And they've been living in Aurora for a long time. So little hints like that my dad would um, try and um, include in my life. But also something that I'm super happy about mm -hmm. is uh, teaching me how to type. Uh, on oh. the computer <laughs> he would just put something he would tell me okay type this and I would just type it by looking at the keyboard and right. then he would put a blanket over my hands and it's like okay type the same thing but without seeing the keyboard oh. so I, I learned how to type without you know focusing so much on the keyboard which was really helpful in college right and I just didn't know that was going to be helpful um, mm -hmm. at all now, um, I saw, I think it was a post, your, uh, did your dad vote for the first time not too long ago? He did. He, he, did? he voted for the first time um, this election in March. Um, like I stated, my parents were undocumented for 21 years. Once I turned 21, mm -hmm. I was able to petition for um, their residency in this country. That had to feel really good. It was. It, it honestly was emotional because that same year that we were able to um, complete their residency, mm -hmm. Um, we went to Mexico for the first time ever. Right. So my parents haven't seen their family for 21 years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that was – and honestly, I, I didn't know them. Right. I didn't know them at all. I knew some of them by phone. 
I knew some um, from my dad's side that would come on holidays, but mm -hmm. every once every five years. So th wow. I didn't get to see them as often. So I didn't have that luxury that a lot of people have, that they can cross the street and go to see their aunts, um, uncles, cousins. Yeah. I don't have anyone. I still don't have anyone here. <laughs> I just have my parents, my brother, and that's it. Yeah. Um, the time is now 8.15 a.m. What, um, what started you on your way? What got you politically motivated as a, as a young person? Um, I'm impressed by how knowledgeable you are and what you do and how young you are. Um, and I, I really do believe that people like you do a, a lot to change that dynamic. That politics is old, it's crusty, it's stale, it's boring, and it's all one demographic. Um, what what got you politically motivated to want to take part mm -hmm. in in politics? So, honestly, it was my parents. It was that undocumented status, um, knowing that my parents couldn't receive benefits, couldn't, um, but they were paying taxes. They were right. still paying taxes. Um, they, um, funny how that works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's a lot, there's a lot of things going on in the migration system that I'm frustrated with. Uh, but that would take the whole time of this mm -hmm. interview. Um, but, uh, just knowing that they were limited to what they could do and not do. And also that they were scared that at any time, um, they could be deported right. was a big one. So I, I got involved. I started um, participating in, um, in different organizations, just volunteering, right. helping out, uh, simple things. Um, in school, I, I also started volunteering, getting more involved. To be honest, I wanted to be a pastry chef when I was uh, younger. Really? Completely different from leadership. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I wanted to be a pastry chef. So this wasn't in my um, vision. I just knew I was frustrated. I was frustrated that a lot of people in the same situation as my parents couldn't do certain things. Right. Um, so I wanted to change that. Slowly, I got to know that there was more than just on, uh, immigration issues. There were property taxes. There were a lot of... Um, uh, disparities uh, amongst the black and Latino right. communities. Right. Uh, and I also got frustrated with that because up to me, y as a young, naive um, girl, I I just didn't understand why it couldn't be fixed in just quick, super quick. Yeah. Um, and then I realized, you know, and I think I got a little bit disappointed, but I, I used that disappointment to say, okay, this, okay, we need to change this. Right. Like, this is not right. right. We need to um, start working on this some uh, someone has to talk about this issue, um, and I started to get more involved, and um, I got to meet Linda Chapalavia, who was my mentor um, for so, uh, several years, um, for the eight years that I worked with her until the end of mm -hmm. her um, position. Uh, she was able to help me and just mentor me on what um, a politician really does. Right. Uh, I got a few uh, pointers from her, observations that I made, some good and bad of the um, political arena, mm. but I, I've been using those uh, bad um, experiences for to make them good. So now I know how I want people to be treated. I know how um, uh, people have a lot of um, hard work because I've noticed a few politicians that I have to admit, some politicians are really rude to people, mm -hmm. really oh rude yeah. to people, oh and yeah. some are not really welcoming. So I knew off the bat that I wanted to be someone that can have an open door um, and people can just come in, can come in, meet with me, talk to me for whatever reason, um, that my staff is available all the time, that they can um, talk to individuals and get the assistance needed. Why is, why do you think, what, what makes people, um, what makes them be closed like that? What makes politicians like put that, what, I, as a as a person who's not a politician, I do like to believe that even if some of the views are different than what we have, that most people are trying to represent their constituents at the very least. But what makes them like what happens? You, you know, know what, I think like the the longer you stay, the longer you um, get uh, an ego. You become a little bit greedy. Sure. sure. Um, at least that's what I've noticed with some, of Human course. Human emotions, right? Uh, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And it's and it's unfortunate because yeah. the, the longer they stay, the longer they feel comfortable in certain aspects. And, and that's unfortunate. And I honestly never want to get comfortable in this position because right. I know that at any uh, election cycle, I can be removed. Right. And my job 
is I take it really seriously and I wanted to help as much people as possible, especially because I am 27 years old. Right. So I'm the youngest Latina in the state of uh, Illinois in the General Assembly. That's a live clap. We got the button. <laughs> um, and as a 27-year-old, people, and a Latina, and a woman, right. people always underestimate me. People expect me to be a child right? Um, because of my age. And, of course, I've been having, I've, I've ha- been in this area for more than 10 years now, and it's, I'm not a child. Uh, right. I have my own beliefs, and, of course, I am human, so, of course, I'm going to make some mistakes once in a while, um, and I hope people forgive me for those. Um, but I I do want to make sure I'm representing everybody equally and fairly and as much as possible. Let's talk legislation. Um, first of all, for the listeners who do not know, um, what is the best way that you can describe what legislation is and how important it is? So legislation, is it comes from an idea. Okay. It can come from... Like me and you talking right now, you can right. say, you know, why is Illinois not having um, free dogs all around? Yeah. You know, something, <laughs> right, yeah. uh, something as simple like no leash, or and it, it could be really uh, problematic as well sometimes. Sure. Um, but that idea is, um, you can give me that idea, and I can we put in paper and say, you know what, um, we want dogs to roam free in Illinois. Right. So no um, leash, <laughs> no leash yeah. policy, right? Um, and of course, people, this is just an example. Right. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. We won't propose yeah. this. Oh, we got to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, your state do. representative is not telling you to take your dog off leashes and let no, them roam freely. It's just an example of yeah. legislation. So that idea that turns into a bill, uh, I propose it in the committee. Okay. I fight for it in the committee. Um, and then people will vote on it. My colleagues will vote on it. If it does get passed in the House, it goes to the Senate. Okay. So once the Senate also does the same procedure, they present it, um, they vote on it in committee. Uh, we Sometimes it gets altered. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe and those are called amendments? Amendments. Okay. So maybe instead of only dogs, they want to you know add rabbits. Rabbits roam free. So they want to add that in- component to it. So uh, when the Senate finishes it, uh, it, they vote on it. Then send it back to the house for concurrence, just to confirm, you know, that I'm okay with the changes, that I'm okay right. with everything going on, um, that the bill wasn't altered completely, um, and then we vote for it. Right. Once we vote for it, it will be sent to the governor's office. Well, he will sign it into law, and then whatever the bill stated, if it's gonna be in law I- immediately, like today or in a year from now, it can be. Um, done during that time um now the changes that it may take from its original form is that what i've seen or referred to as like the gridlock of things you know i would assume there's a lot of changes that could happen is that where people complain about how long it takes for a bill to go through the the system is is that where it's that's happening yes there are some bills that will be passed in and during session throughout uh, during may through june of um no mammy January through May of that year, mm-hmm. um, and then there's going to be some bills that might not ever get passed during that year. It might take a little bit while, uh, longer, like the cannabis bill in Illinois. Right. That is something that people have been working on for more than ten years. Oh yeah, that's a um, right. That's a it, good yeah. example. Yeah. And it wasn't. Um, a lot of people weren't ready to take that vote, and a lot of people weren't ready that Illinois could make those changes. Um, and it's our first year, so we still have a lot of things that might be altered and amended in the bill alone in the upcoming years because things change. If we see that there's a little bit of mistakes here and there that yeah. might be failing, the constituents might be failing, the, um, the people, the business owners, then we might have to go fix it. Um, now, I did some homework before this interview, and you... Uh, and I want to make sure I got my terms right, so um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you chaired a bill, or you were the spearhead of a bill that had a, a educational aspect. Um, if I'm, Help me if I'm wrong about this. You, uh, There was a bill that you got passed, or up there, 
um, we did good things in regards to education. The bill of uh, biliteracy? Yes, that's what it was. Okay, it was yes, biliteracy. That right. was actually one of my first bills that I got passed. A lot of people were surprised that in, in less than a month of me being in office, I was able to pass a few bills already. That was a already. big win. Yes. That was a big um, win. It, the seal of biliteracy, I mean, it's something that, um, unfortunately, I didn't get to see in, in high school right. um, when I graduated in 2010, but it was, it's, it implies, um, adds the eligibility for students to qualify for the seal by literacy. So if you speak a certain language or you're taking a class um, in English, Spanish, or whatever, mm -hmm. um, and it pretty much certifies you that you're um, uh, fluent enough to be able to get a seal uh, um, by literacy and you can get college credits for it as well. So it, it automatically saves you a bit of a few hundred dollars from college, and you don't have to take those classes. Interesting. That's yeah. very helpful. Saving money in education is important. I mean, uh, you don't have a lot of money a lot of times when, you know, students and things like that. Um, I'd imagine you're working a job and trying to figure out how you're going to make the bills, the car payments, all that kind of stuff. Um, talk about the importance of money in education. Um, is it, you know, what, what, is there a lot, are there a lot of funds available for educational purposes that the state gives out and disperses? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of things that need to be changed on the education system, of course. There's always gonna be um, items that need to be uh, fixed, but right now, um, as in the General Assembly, we're able to uh, keep funding the evidence-based formula, mm -hmm. which is a, a a way of trying to f uh, figure out who, what schools, what school districts are need the money the most. So uh -huh. that's what determines. Before it was honestly scattered all around Illinois, and some schools like um, Naperville would probably get a little bit more money, um, yeah. but they were well off to begin with. Right. But East Aurora and West Aurora would be left behind. So now with the evidence-based formula, it, it targets those schools that haven't received the, enough funding. Um, throughout the years mm -hmm. um, instead of giving all the money to uh, well-off schools. Now, for the listeners and those who may not know, let's talk about property taxes. How important are property taxes to a school and a school district? Well, sadly, the property taxes are uh, the big component of the school districts. Uh, I think uh, for East Aurora, it's closer to more than 50% of the property taxes goes to um, East Aurora. Wow. Um, so it's it's really a big component, and, and it's unfortunate because in the um, in the Illinois Constitution, and pr or actually uh, the bill that was um, uh, proposed was that the state had to cover the education, had to cover those expenses. And somehow throughout the years, it just went straight to the local government, and they had to deal with it. Really? How did that happen? You know, I unfortunately don't know no, yeah, exactly yeah, about yeah. that, but it's, I mean, I, I know now that the position that I have has a lot of history, but also bad history of uh, people before me and people even before um, the current representatives, some of them, because some of them have been there for more than 30 years, um, have been part of the problem because they... They just kept pushing it, kept pushing it, and just um, never really looking into it until now we're in a big hole where we can't get out of. Is it because they don't come, well, they'd have to come from the communities, right? They'd have to represent their constituency, but wh why, well, I mean, is it because they have no skin in the game? Is it 100% they just didn't give a damn or, you know? You know, it might be a little bit of everything that you just right. stated. Um, some, like I said, some representatives are, are really nice, and some representatives and politicians could be a little bit more rude on the side. Right. And um, sometimes they just care about their own district, and that's it. Um, but I, I, I personally feel like if you're representing the state of Illinois, um, you're representing your district and the state. And you still need to consider that there's other areas in the state that might be living a little bit more differently than in Aurora, per se. Let's talk about the uh, Latino caucus. Now, that's in the Senate? That's in the House? 
That is in the house, yes. That's in the house? In the house and the Senate. We do have, um, we, we kind of combine all of us together because we're, we're a few of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not many. I think we have no, maybe not. 15 members. I saw members. the picture. Yes. It was like, it, it looked like a, uh, it like a properly socially distanced little gathering. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we only have 15 of us, um, I believe now, um, in the state, um, house and the Senate. And we're, we usually try to meet and get to, um, see what are issues that our Latino communities um, need. Right. Um, so I live in a Latino, um, high Latino population area. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it's 60% in Aurora. Right. Um, so, and I'm also a Latina. So there's always a, a huge need on issues um, in the community. But at the same time, I work closely. Um, the Latino caucus works closely with um, the Black caucus right. as well to um, just determine what's going on in the communities and what can we work on because our communities are usually pretty similar on a lot of items. Yeah, they are very much so. Uh, educational items, they could both suffer from a lack of funding, um, a lack mm-hmm. of resources. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we think about Aurora. You know, you, you look at the east side, a lot of the a lot of the things that are available to the west side, not to diss the west side mm-hmm. and other places, Naperville, surrounding cities, those things are obviously lacking in the Latino and black communities. And sometimes they overlap and everything. Yeah. And sometimes the resources are um, not available to them or mm-hmm. they don't know where to find it. And I, that's, that's been one of my goals, um, throughout the, my first year is making sure that I can connect with a lot of people and, uh, spread those resources because there's a lot of grants right now um, right. happening for small businesses, for nonprofits and for families that people do not know about. Um, now can you shout out your social media or where people can get information for of your, uh, so people can look at um, at my Facebook. Kay. They can look. Well, I, I'm assuming just type Rep. Uh, Representative Barbara Hernandez, and you will see um, my Facebook there. There, you might see a couple other ones. I do have a campaign um, profile as well because of ethics. I right. can't have both of them together. Um, so you might see that one. I do have a Twitter as well. I believe it's Barbara. Um, underscore Isabel. That's my middle name. Okay. Um, and then they can find me on LinkedIn and on uh, Instagram as well. Very cool. Um, now, if the biliteracy bill, would you say the biliteracy bill was your biggest success or your biggest win to date? One of them, I would say. Okay. Uh, one, uh, that one. Multiple and, um, wins, y'all. Multiple <laughs> wins. <laughs> I had another bill that I'm really happy about as well. It was the SNAP benefits um, to eliminate a um, a mandate that was uh, twice in, in the area and was limiting a lot of people from being able to get job training. I believe Wait only one percent, only one percent, was able to get a seat and get job training. So this you mean would to tell be. Me. I mean, I, let me let me let's. You mean to tell me that there's hindrances to job training? There, yes, there's some. There's like federal and sometimes state. There's hmm. just a, a bit of. Um, mandates that unfortunately, like there's a unfunded mandate and then there's uh, funded mandates. Unfunded mandates, I'm just telling you, hey, I expect you to do this, right. but I'm not gonna give you money. So figure it out. That's pretty much what it is, honestly. Wow. And the funded ma- mandates, like, hey, I'm asking you to do this to make this possible, but I'm gonna give you a little bit of money to make it happen. Okay. So that's what usually happens. Um, but then, so the SNAP benefits, they were. Um, I believe more than 300,000 uh, applicants that needed assistance and job training, but only 1% uh, was able to get the, the seats. So it wasn't a lot of people actually going to the door and getting the job training that ne- they needed. Right. So the bill that I also um, passed would allow to expand those seats and have more people have that job training so they can learn exactly how um, – how to manage their money, how to manage, um, how to get a job, and not rely on SNAP benefits. Very cool. Um, So those are two good wins. What was a, um, was there a defeat you remember? Or a bill that uh, got shot down kind of thing? No, um, because of the time that I was put in, mm-hmm. I, I didn't get to present a lot of bills, uh, to be honest. I So I was um, appointed in March 7th of 2019. 
um, and the deadline was right around the corner right. for um, proposing any other bills or calling them. Mm-hmm. So I got three of them and just kind of ran with those the, the month and a half that I had time. Um, but this year, I was able to um, have at least more than seven bills presented. Right. Um, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. be- with COVID, I was not able to actually call them out in the floor. Right. And they're really good bills that I'm hoping that in 2021 I could present. Um, one of them, uh, unfortunately, might not make it because of COVID, um, but it was a metro bill. It would allow um, 50% off of uh, discounts for college students are writing the metro to from Aurora, from different areas to Chicago, to different um, colleges around um, and be able to get a savings. That would be a huge it, benefit. Exactly, yep. yeah. The monthly One, metro is like $217. Exactly. So we would cut that in half, which I know might not be a lot, but at least Ooh. for a college student, um, I, it's, it would be a, a lot of savings, especially because I heard from students that would tell me that they would not go to school one day because they couldn't um, pay for their pl- uh, train right. ticket. Yeah. So it, it is unfortunate, but unfortunately with everything going on, Metro has been um, losing a lot of money. Yeah. So I, I don't really know how likely it would be for me to pass that bill with yeah. no this funding. This is a timing kind of thing. Exactly. The other one was that I'm really happy about is um, the breastfeeding um, bill that would allow the breast pumps to be um, – tax exempt okay. for uh, a lot of uh, women. Um, so that would be another good bill that I had bipartisan support, which I was really excited. Very cool. And when I mean bipartisan support, I mean um, I had uh, Republicans and Democrats in uh, my bill, supporting my bill. So I, I do foresee it to be an easier bill to be passed now that right. I'm both Republicans and Democrats are um, joining together and helping me. Yeah. And get this through, but uh, I do need COVID to go away, um, go away yeah. soon, so I, we can continue the fight. How often does that happen? Bipartisan support. Um, and the other you know, follow up to that is, what's it like working with uh, Republicans? The there's a lot of bills that we've done bipartisan that mm-hmm. I unfortunately I don't think people know about right. a lot because uh, it's not a big crucial bill. Um, but one of those like big crucial bills like the cannabis, uh, the budget, um, uh, the COVID relief, those are a little bit harder to, um, well, those are more publicized, but they're also a little bit harder to get, um, uh, bipartisan. You might get one or two Republicans that might support it because of district and also some are really reasonable, uh, super reasonable. Um, and then there's other times that you just can't win right at all right no matter what yeah i mean it could you could sprinkle parsley on top of it they're still not going to eat it (laughs) (laughs) and then working with the republicans i mean honestly um it's it is sometimes interesting Mm -hmm. because as a a younger um individual i think a lot of people portray republicans as bad guys right as um people really conservative and i think it's because of what we're seeing now in um social media and in the federal government but there are some uh, Republicans that I work really well with right. and that I invite to events that I try to have events together with right. because they're really reasonable and they honestly help us. They help us um, sometimes be able to um, either convince our colleagues or um, explain a little bit more of what, we'll, of what we need to change in our bill right. to get a, a bit more support. Um, so it's it's those conversations that are really important. And, of course, there's always a few Republicans that, you know, they just say flat no. Right. There's no way of compromising. It's like, well, you know, that then that's a little bit harder for me to work with. Yeah. But those individuals that do want to really get this bill passed, but just a little bit of tweaks. So in order for them to be able to approve it and vote on it, um, it does make a difference. Um, when the uh, rioting and all the unrest happened in Aurora... Where were you? I was quarantined, unfortunately. Um, I was, so I went to Springfield in May for four days. Uh, And it was a crucial time Mm -hmm. because of COVID. Um, We were 118 people 
So for us, so social distance was also a little bit harder. Right. So we couldn't go to the capital. We couldn't have be in the capital at all. Mm-hmm. Usually we are, and that's where we do all the work. But this time we were in a convention center. Oof. So we were in a convention. I saw the picture. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was eerie. It was, we were in a convention center, six feet apart mm-hmm. from everybody, um, not having our normal desk or anything. Um, so it was. It was unique. Uh, we had to wear masks for sometimes more than 12 hours. Um, I would only be able to take it off when I'm eating or when I'm like maybe taking a little bit of break, a breathing break, um, but making sure that nobody was around. As soon as someone would approach me, I would put my mask up again. Right. Um, so after that, I was asked to quarantine for the first seven days. Um, but then I got an email throughout those seven days uh, saying that one of the staffers was actually positive of COVID. Wow. So they extended our um, quarantine for 14 days. Okay. Uh, so early on, um, I believe a little bit after the seven days, um, that's when the whole um, protesting happened. And I was just inside a room and I couldn't leave anywhere. Um, it, honestly, it was a hard time for me. Because me as a person, I, I, I love my community. I right. love my community. I want to support my community as much as possible. But it was hard for me to leave my room and go and help out the next day and clean up. Um, because I knew that if I, I am sick, that I if I do have any germs, um, that I passed, I could po- potentially pass it on to someone else. Right. And because of me, that person might be sick. I didn't want to risk that right. at all, so I stayed home, honestly, uh, crying a little bit because I saw the pictures, I saw the videos, I saw everything that was going on like five minutes away from me, Right. and I couldn't really do anything. Um, now, looking back at, so looking at that, that specific night and then, you know, everything that came after that, and looking at where we are at now, um, what do you see as the prospects for change in Aurora, things like um, you know the, uh, issues with the police department and all that. Um, do you think the people of Aurora can look forward to changes being made? I think so. This is I not, really a, do a, think not so, a state yeah. representative question. I know you have no <laughs> right. Just for the listeners to understand that, but just your feeling as an Auroran. I think so. I, th- I honestly think this is a moment of change. Um, twenty twenty has been throwing on throwing us a lot of obstacles murder hornets i mean what the hell is that yeah so (laughs) it's it's a time of change we need to change a lot of things um and one of them is uh the police um departments that we have not only in a row i'm not calling out only a row there's a lot of different police departments that need to be changed in this um state and in this country right and how we do things um people deserve respect across the board people in our community has suffered throughout the years our ancestors have also suffered and i'm gonna say our because the latino community also receives a lot of backlash um not as much as the black community i do uh, um uh, understand that and i do see that Mm -hmm. but um i mean this is a fight that needs to be fought fought together yeah um, with the Latinos and others and allies and the blacks, we need to fight together on this issue. Um, but I do want to make that call and say that people need to continue to fight. I know right now things are slowing down. Um, ha- pe- things have slowed down um, significantly in just a couple of weeks. But there's other people that are still continuing to fight. And I, I ask them to join them to continue the fight. Right. Because if we don't have more people fighting, the elected officials will dismiss them right. because they will think that this is not a huge need. Yeah. That maybe only five people are asking for this. So this only five people over 200,000. That's not a big number. That's how what honestly people think. Yeah. How important is it for people to vote? Oh, voting is extremely important. Um, to be honest, I was one of those teenagers that I, uh, I would consider myself a nerd. I was uh, more excited to be 18 than 21. Mm-hmm. I was excited to be 18 to be able to vote. Right. Um, to be able to pick, go to the voting booth and vote for um, the people that I wanted to. Um, and mainly it was also because I knew my parents couldn't vote. So I was their vote in their right. eyes. Right. Um, but it's it's really important. And that's 
uh, and voting uh, in the local elections are the most important. I know a lot of people talk about the federal government and president, and right now, of course, it is, it is important, but everything that the federal government has done doesn't really impact our community as much. And uh, well, let me rephrase that. There are several things that are going on right now sure. that can impact us. Right. But when it comes to bills, when it comes to laws, you're going to see it more closely in um, your hometown oh, yeah. and in the state yeah. where you live I, in. I knew what you meant by that. Not to take away from the importance of, yes, the federal government has a direct impact on your life, but the one that you can taste, touch, and feel that's way closer to you exactly. is and your local government, city council, township, all of these people. County, too. County, And a yeah. lot of people forget about county because of... Um, they they don't understand the whole three levels of government the right. the local the fed, uh, the state and then the federal All right um, now I understand I understand that um, and I, I do want to ask about that um, but I have I have an Aurora question for you I've asked a few people this and I've gotten some mixed answers and got to have you on the mic mm -hmm. for this who has the best tacos oh in oh god aurora i know i know oh this is hard this is the same <laughs> <laughs> everybody is like Damn. Oh, i think this is the hardest question of the <laughs> interview um yeah. can we go back to bills and legislation please? right <laughs> well i think taqueria aurora and taqueria el tio have okay. the best tacos all right but the horchata, I do have to point out the horchata, the one that I love the most is Taqueria El Tio. Okay, the uncle. I'm, I'm really picky on my yeah. horchata. Really? What makes a good horchata and a well, just horchata? To me, to me, it's uh, the flavor and the sweetness. Right. I, I, I have a really big sweet tooth. If mm -hmm. Honestly, if I could eat uh, desserts for lunch, dinner, and <laughs> breakfast, I would. But that's not healthy at all. No. Um, and she's not telling you to do that, <laughs> <no>. people. <laughs> but um, so for me, I like sweets things. Mm -hmm. um, that's uh, that's why I don't like coffee. Coffee is too bitter for me. Right. Um, so horchata has a little bit more sweet in it. Mm -hmm. And the one in Taqueria, um, El Tio, they do have a little bit of more flavor and sweetness to it. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's got a kick. And uh, also it's really important that it has like a an, an good ratio between the ice and the horchata. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes it just waters it down and it just Yeah, it's like everything. you're drinking 2% milk or something exactly. like that. Yeah, it's not good. Um, what's the difference between, so the time is now 8.49 a.m. Um, what's the difference between um, government, um, the three branches of government, um, which are executive, legislative, and judicial? Well, they they all have their different components. One, of course, legislative is being able to um, create the bills. Executive, the, the president, the governor, the mayor. Um, judicial, you have your court systems, um, Supreme Court, the county court systems, and so on. That they all have different perspectives and different uh, areas, departments. I would uh, say to be able to you know continue the work that they're doing. Um, but when it comes to also the other three levels of government would be the, the local, so the municipal, the county, the township, um, that has a lot of different also, um, aspects of it. The city manages your little area, your mm -hmm. town, um, and then the township manages the incorporated area, which in here in Aurora, we have the town, Aurora township. Um, which is completely different from the city of Aurora because they're separated. Right. They're separated, but it's it's kind of hard to explain because they, they're inside of Aurora. Right. So they're not like the Aurora Township area. It's just uh, the city of Aurora, and it has incorporated areas. Got it. Got it. So a few areas um, don't pay taxes for the library, don't pay taxes for certain items. They don't um, have a lot of um, road construction going on because uh the township at least in aurora we have i believe 42 miles worth of um of road uh so the road township is the one that maintains that road while the city of aurora manages everything else and when you're a resident um, you're just thinking it's construction exactly. oh why are they doing this exactly why they got the lane shut down to two lane to one lane yeah but sometimes uh it 
you can split those up. It, it could be a state road. It could be a city road. It could be a township road. Damn, stay and woke, yes, y'all. I'm telling you, Good Morning <laughs> Aurora, we got it right here for you. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes if it is a state road, then they have to contact me so I can contact IDOT, the Illinois Department of Transportation. Transportation right. And let them know, like, hey, I doubt we have a pothole. The city is – this is not their jurisdiction of the city. We need to fix this. And then they're able to, you know, analyze and figure it out. But if it is a township road, then the township will have to take care of it. I've actually seen people – I've said this before, a couple of friends. Like, I this this is what's – that's why it's so important to understand, like, what is going on, take part in things, understand the process. I literally have seen people complaining on, like, the city council meetings mm-hmm. or – you know, emailing uh, the state senator for potholes on their street. Why are they going to get the potholes on my street? Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, and it's Maybe hard. that person's not working on that. Yeah. It is hard, but uh, as long as people are letting us know of mm-hmm. what the issues are, and they can always, uh, like, contact me, um, contact their elected official, their aldermen, alderwomen, mm-hmm. um, ci- um, city council members, and so on, township members, and just ask and say, hey, we have this issue in our community. I saw that you're my representative, you're my council member. Can you please fix it or guide me mm-hmm. to the right direction? And we would um, love to do that, and we um, – will be happy to point you to the right direction of who to contact so that problem can be resolved. Um, so we got a couple more minutes left for this interview. Uh, you're listening to Good Morning Aurora, Aurora's second largest city's first daily news podcast. Um, what do you uh, like most about Aurora? There's there's a lot of things. I, I love is. the diversity. Yeah. I love the people. The small business that we have here in Aurora are, are great. The yeah. owners have been supportive of our communities. Um, they've been adding a little bit more color to our our um, city, mm-hmm. to our environments by having their windows um, decorated in Christmas, on the holidays. I like that. Broadway it looks is. really good when they got the Christmas, the paintings and all that. Yeah. yeah. It's it's beautiful, and it's it brings a little bit, bit more life because for the – the 27 years I've lived in Aurora and grew, grew up, I've seen a lot of buildings that are empty. Mm-hmm. And there's still a, a lot of um, um, empty buildings. But I remember going to Wick House, uh, Wickwood House, um, for the first time. I honestly wanted to tear up um, because I, I know there's a lot of different things that go are going on a lot of people are uh, saying that aurora is being gentrified um without people knowing and so i do want to make that statement but at least as a person to see that that building that was empty for so long to bring back life right that all i knew was that building was always empty for my whole life yeah and to actually go in and see the potential that it has the po- a beauty a beautiful uh architecture that it People turn it into uh, the paintings, the art, the structure, the items that they had. Um, it was just beautiful to see. And now with uh, the silver uh, Charlie Silver Platter ice cream shop, yeah, it has the same uh, story to it. It's been empty for years. Oh yeah, it was just an abandoned Hulk, and it was huge too. Exactly. We're not talking about a little small structure that's just sitting there. Yeah, it was yeah. a huge hulking nothing building just. Exactly. Yeah, looking and like now Beirut. It looks beautiful. Right. It's it has color to it, has life to it. It it brings people to that little corner right. all the time. And that's beautiful to see. You got and the families hanging out there, chilling, exactly. people walking dogs, yeah. And that's what I love about Aurora because we're able to come together on um, times that are sometimes have been difficult and sometimes have been a little bit easier for everybody. Right. Um, so, um, before we go, question I have for you is, um, what do you, we like to leave the show or leave off on the show with a positive message. Um, what would you as a state representative like to tell the listeners and especially the youth, uh, of Aurora and the next generation that they should be focused on? What, what should they be doing? I want individuals, especially the young, um, listeners to understand that just because they're young doesn't mean that they can't do something right that they can't change the world 
I had a lot of people in my career tell me that I was too young, mm. that I'm not um, experienced enough for this position or for any position in the past. Right. Um, but I want people to know that they are experienced, that they um, people are getting educated as we speak. I mean, I continue to get educated, not only going with um, my uh, master classes, but also reading books, getting to know people, getting to hear people's stories. And that's what I, I hope people can um, can do. Listen, listen more, um, never give up, uh, continue the fight. And we need more young individuals involved. If people do not get involved, this will never change. Right, right. Anything that they're fighting for will never change because people are not getting involved. And I want people to also know that they can use me um, and my title to get into um, those conversations with me. Right. And I can be those advocate, uh, the advocate for them. And they can, of course, continue being advocates because sometimes you need someone that can help you push you to the towards the right direction when it comes to policy. Right. And I want to help people for that because it is unfortunately a little harder for me to fight for certain things if I don't have backing. Sure. If I don't have people saying, yes, Barbara, we want this, we need this in our community, it's going to be hard for me to just say, hey, people, we need this, we need change, we need yeah. police reform, we need um, justice uh, reform. And if I don't have anyone and it's all crickets in the back, people are just going to look at me and say, you know what, it's only no Representative support. Hernandez. Yeah. That's that's all she mattered. That's no, nobody else is supporting her, so right. we are not going to support her. Right. That's what people think, and we need to change that. We need to make sure people are aware that they can come to me and use me as a voice, use me as a microphone uh, for these issues, and I, I would love to help them. As um, well. Yeah, I have to say that uh, at least you know from our perspective of the show and, and having met you, like you, you definitely are positively changed in the face of politics. Um, you know, as a as a person with who's just been a regular working Joe, blue collar civilian, didn't understand how important filling out the census was, didn't know what a township did as opposed to a county, didn't know the difference between a state rep or a senator, didn't know that there are actually things that can be changed in regards to laws. I have to say that you have definitely shown that politics is not um, what it used to be. You've really uh, added the proof that politics can be inclusive and that the little guy actually can take part uh, and it means a lot um, so for us as a show for good morning aurora we'd like to tell people to take the information that you heard today and do your best to apply it especially for young people uh, we've beat it down for you guys so many times but you have to be registered to vote you have to vote it's your duty to vote, and not only that, you have to get involved in the community the best way that you can. Uh, the Aurora Food Pantry, Marie Wilkinson's Food Pantry, uh, COVID has shut down a lot of the volunteer activities that are going on. We can't volunteer in certain things we used to do, but get involved and take part because um, if you've got enough energy to march 3.8 miles on only a granola bar, surely you can click the button or vote pull the lever to vote for a person who's going to help out the community. Um, so the time is now 8.59 a.m. It's about to be 9 o'clock a.m. We want to say thank you very much to all of our listeners and thank you very much for uh, Rep. Hernandez coming in to talk to us. Uh, this was a this was a damn good episode. This was one of the best. This was a really good thank one. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. Um, so from Good Morning Aurora to all of you, we'd like to say be blessed and be powerful on this Thursday, and we will catch you here tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock a.m. on Aurora, Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And with that, we out.